Thursday, the 22nd of April, 2010. A criminal is dead and Australian media dances on his grave. Another man dies after being chucked out of the country, but he's a criminal too, so who cares? And something about a volcano and aeroplanes and Iceland and, oh, who gives a toss? This is the 9pm edict. Hello, I'm Still Gerian, and here I am returning after a couple of weeks gap having dealt with the opiates I told you about last episode way back at the beginning of the month and the general uselessness of the entire universe in relation to polished mahogany casks full of gold coins and warm baby oil disgorging themselves onto my willing, receptive body both to be spread gently but firmly by the bare hands of a team of lithe, clear-skinned youths dressed in white linen tunics and antlers. In such matters, my world has been completely inadequate. Welcome to the Edict. People of Victoria, you disgust me. What the fuck is wrong with you? Two issues today. Well, two to start with. One, Carl Williams. Two, Christine Nixon. Carl Williams was a convicted murderer, and now he too is dead, killed in prison, and five different investigations are underway to figure out how the hell that happened. Now, that's interesting, but does it really warrant 13 pages in the Sun-Herald? As has been pointed out, he's hardly the only prisoner to have died in jail, but others got... what media coverage exactly? Bugger all! Now, that's not to say there aren't issues to explore here. The media has referred to Williams as the baby-faced killer, which, as far as I can tell, is a euphemism for fat. We can say fat now because he's dead and he can't knock us off. More importantly, it does seem to be that earlier in the week there was a news story saying that Carl Williams was going to give evidence against other people, and then shortly afterwards he's dead. Coincidence? Well, we shall see. This is something you really need to sort out, Victoria, because even from the vantage point of oh-so-free-of-corruption New South Wales... Yeah, well, all right, I'm drunk. But, like, seriously, this is beyond being just an embarrassment for the state of Victoria. Sorted out, people. And Christine Nixon. If you're not across this story, it's quite simple. Around a year ago, Christine Nixon was the police commissioner in Victoria, and the night before there were the most devastating bushfires Victoria has ever seen, and a whole bunch of people died... It appears to me, from my half-assed reading of the news, that once Nixon had satisfied herself that everything was operating as it should, she went and had dinner. Now, to anyone who knows about emergency operations, it seems that this was just fine. The emergency management people could get on with their jobs without the commissioner hanging around and getting in their way, and if they had to update her, well, they had a phone number. But for some reason, the police commissioner having dinner is being portrayed as some sort of gross negligence. Now, I'm too angry to go into the detail, but here's the thing. People did die in those fires. Okay, towns were destroyed. It's a sad, tragic event. But you, people of Victoria, do you really think that having the police commissioner hanging around the ops room would have changed any of that? Or are you just looking for someone to blame? Because... You still haven't dealt with the random tragedy of the worst fires in history killing people and you're wishing, as I would wish, I understand this, you're wishing that somehow, if only something had been different, your friends or relatives would still be alive. Well, I'm sorry, but it doesn't actually work that way. People die for random, stupid, incomprehensible reasons every day. 
They were standing in the wrong place when a car ran off the road or an aircraft crashed. They just happened to be on that train when the bomb went off. They just happened to be the person who got that plate with the infected food. They just happened to get the one vial of medicine in the entire batch that had been tampered with. And now they're dead. Or they just happened to be in the path of the worst fire we've ever seen. And now they're dead. Look, it may make you feel better to harass someone and blame them, but it won't bring your friends back. It's far far more important to look at things which you can fix, which you can improve for the next time when fires blaze so hot. So please, don't distract yourself with the sideshow. Don't distract yourself with harassing someone just because the tabloid media have identified them as your target. And two, the tabloid media. Is it really better for you to stir up this emotional revenge shit? instead of focusing on things which can really help? Really? You really want to do it this way? Then you should be fucking well ashamed of yourselves. It's a federal election year, so naturally both Labour and Liberal have decided that they'll try to outdo each other on being cunts to refugees. It's a great look, eh? Picking on some of the most vulnerable people on the planet to score political points, you pricks. Kevin Rudd has said that for people coming from certain peaceful and pleasant lands, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka to be precise, we'll just not process your refugee applications for a few months. We'll just stick you in a concentration camp and twiddle our thumbs and then at the end of it, when we decide we just might take a deep breath and a big long stretch and see whether we can be bothered to find out whether you really are a refugee and discover that in the vast majority of cases, well, yes, you really are a genuine refugee, we'll send you a bill for your accommodation in the concentration camp. Now, I use the term concentration camp quite deliberately because that's what the damn things are, and labelling them detention centres, as if they're for kids who've been a bit naughty at school, is completely disingenuous. They're blocks of accommodation with three layers of razor wire, a shitload of surveillance cameras, and men and women with guns. They're concentration camps. They're a British invention, as it happens. Look it up. It's called history. So Labour's strategy is to put the troublesome boat people into concentration camps until after the election. Classy! Thanks, Mr Balloonhead. This is how I really want my nation to behave on the world stage. God. The Liberals, on the other hand, have put up a billboard. Yeah, good one, Tony. That's fucking sophisticated politics, eh? Actually, it's not even a billboard, it's a truck. It's the so-called debt truck the Liberal Party had cruising around complaining about how Labour had supposedly racked up an enormous national debt. Well, that was bullshit for a couple of reasons. One, most of Australia's debt isn't actually government debt, but individual debt. Billions of people buying plasma TVs on credit cards. Consumer debt, you see, at all-time highs thanks to what were record low interest rates. And two, government debt is sovereign debt. And sovereign debt isn't pegged to gold anymore. It hasn't been for decades. Governments can literally just print as much money as they need. Now, sure, if the central government just makes up too much money, you get inflation. But that's the delicate balancing act that governments play, especially as they try to work their way out of... Um, oh, look, what was it called again? 
Oh yeah, that's right, the global fucking financial crisis. Well, perhaps there's one too many Fs in that. Look, I can understand why Tony Ears Abbott wants to ditch the debt truck. Have a listen to this story from this morning's edition of AM, which I've butchered to cut it to length. Australia has been singled out as having some of the best economic prospects in the developed world. The strong endorsement comes from the International Monetary Fund, which has also declared that the global recession is over. Global recovery has evolved better than we expected. The IMF has released its World Economic Outlook, its twice-yearly report about the global economy. It says the recovery in major advanced economies will be, quote, relatively sluggish, and that the US is off to a better start than Europe and Japan. However, it's Australia that's singled out for praise. The IMF says, quote, Australia and the newly industrialised Asian economies are off to a strong start and will likely stay in the lead, end quote. The IMF says Australia's economic growth is expected to be 3% this year and 3.5% next year. The IMF says growth in Australia will be helped by strong demand for commodities, particularly from China. Yeah, that's right. The International Monetary Fund has congratulated Australia. So the Liberals' debt truck is now a reminder of how wrong they called it. It becomes the boat people truck. Sorry, the border protection billboard. And Tony Abbott stirs the pot, implying that the geopolitical reasons, which now mean there's more Afghan or Sri Lankan refugees than before, is somehow Labor's fault. Now here's my dilemma. I don't want to vote for either of these assholes. Australia is one of the richest nations on the planet. I reckon we can afford to be just that little bit generous to those less well off. And I'm disturbed that both our major political parties think that it's better, for their purposes, to appeal to the paranoia and racism and xenophobia, the sorts of characteristics of humans that we hate, just to win votes. I think that calls for an edict, except that I can't actually think of one. I'm angry, but I'm also outraged. For example, have you heard of Andrew Moore? Andrew Moore, 43 years old, was born in Scotland but lived in Australia for 32 years. He had residency rights, but he never actually became a citizen. Well, why should he? It's his choice. Last October, he was deported from Australia because, well, he'd just finished up a prison sentence for manslaughter. I don't know the details, but he'd done his time. He's now a free man. But you have to be of so-called good character to remain a resident in Australia, and ex-prisoners are apparently not of good character. So out he went. Problem was, Andrew Moore was suffering from known physical and mental illnesses and was known to have problems with alcohol and other drugs. Still, he was deemed fit to fly and was sent back to the UK. He landed at Heathrow with $700 in his pocket, and two days later he was dead from a heroin overdose. This is the caring, sharing Australia that we have become. So maybe, uh, maybe I have thought of an edict. This is edict number 11. If you are a politician and you propose new laws for dealing with refugees or for any people less fortunate than yourself, and if you throw around rhetoric like turning back the boats then you'll be required to man the borders personally. 
You will not be able to hide behind the hard-working men and women of Australia's Defence Forces or our Customs Officers or anyone else who has given their best efforts to defend Australia against its real threats. No, you will be required to stand on the decks of those boats out in the Timor Sea and elsewhere and explain personally to every man, woman and child on that boat why you will not be processing their claims promptly and with basic human dignity. And if you refuse, then the personnel of the Australian Defence Forces are hereby authorised to deal with you as they see fit. And we will all turn a blind eye. That's all for the edict for now. I know I said I'd... uh, I know I mentioned the volcano thing, but, oh, God, there's been enough in the news about that already. If you'd like to leave a comment, go to the website. If you'd like to leave an audio comment, Skype to Stilgarian or phone Sydney's. Plus six one two eight zero double one three seven double three. That's eight zero double one three seven double three. It's all on the website. Just go there and look it up, for God's sake. The next edict will be whenever I damn well get around to it, because this is the 9pm Edict. <laughs>